Nothing discussed with Pedro Haro in this conversation is meant to diagnose or treat any condition, or takes the place of talking with your own healthcare professionals. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Anxiety to Clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich from Sutter Health Kahimohala, and I want to thank you for joining us for this series brought to you by Sutter Health Kahimohala and Brain Gain Hawaii, with many thanks to the Leong family, especially Coco, who engineers for us every week. So where are we this week? Well, as we are approaching the end of September, and going into October, at least Oahu is now lifted from its stay-at-home order, and people are able to move about, although there are many, many restrictions as we're still in the first tier of the tiered plan that the city has adopted with the approval of the governor. So right, right now, people can be in groups of five at the beach, taking a hike, other places, restaurants opening to 50% capacity, same thing with movie theaters. We've got, again, the malls and, and retail opening. Many things happening. The dog park is open, all kinds of good things. But you know, people have been dealing with a lot in these last six, eight months coming through COVID. And it really will be seeing what happens as we go into this next phase and whether we will see cases spike again, which is what brought us to the second shutdown. So at this point, we're really looking to people to uh, understand that they have a lot of control over how we go forward and hoping that they take that control. So hopefully we can move in the next month from tier one to tier two and hopefully to a place where we can reopen much more fully. Although on October 15th, we will have the pre-travel uh, protocol for those who can get a test and get it within 72 hours before arriving to be able to welcome some visitors back to Hawaii. So in a nutshell, that's where we are. But today we wanna to take a look at where some of us are at a very, very deep level, at the level of breath. And to help us do that, we're very happy to be talking with Pedro Haro, the Executive Director of the American Lung Association in Hawaii. And thank you so much for making time, Pedro, for being with us this morning. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Good to see you, Beth, and good to be talking to you in this format. It's, it's been a while. It has been, from my, and in this case, it's from my living room to yours. Yes. And uh, as we're all moving through COVID, you know, COVID has a very special relationship to your organization because, of course, American Lung Association, people may forget, you know, COVID is a lung disease. And what that means for the very simple act of breathing for a lot of people, you know, we know that that with all the other symptoms, but one of the basic ones is that inability to breathe fully and, uh, yeah. and to have it really impact the cardiovascular system. So let's talk a little bit about first how you're doing. How are you doing with all this now that you've been working home all this time? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I talk about, um, I, I like to mention that I took over full time as executive director of American Lung. Um, in February, and I had enough time to set up my office and then pack up and work from home. And I thought, it's like, I sure know how to pick them, um, being the head of a local lung association in the middle of a lung pandemic. Um, but, you know, it's, it's amazing. I talked to my mom about that a little bit as to how funny that is that it played out. I said, you know, I, 
couldn't have picked it at a worse time. And she said, no, I, I think you're wrong. I think you're exactly where you need to be. Um, I think your mom is true. right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's been, uh, fortunately, I had a, a setup working from home. This is my home office. Um, but I understand, you know, how difficult it is for, for other people who are transitioning, who are having to set up those spaces in the drop of a dime and trying to figure out how do you move, you know, your, how do you even know what you need on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, you know, offices are still there and you can go back and forth if you need to and pick up this or that. But just the, the, the upending of, of your life, uh, whether it's working from home, losing your job, um, not being able to see family, um, life going on in, in the situation, you know, birthdays, et cetera. It's a lot for anybody to deal with. It's so much for everybody to deal with. And, and, and whether you feel it yourself, whereas, you know, I'm set up perfectly fine, seeing others in stress causes you stress as well. Seeing other people suffer causes you suffering as well. And so, you know, I've, that's been the difficult part for me is watching my family, loved ones having to deal with unemployment, having to deal with, you know, um, uh, figuring out how exactly they're supposed to be doing school for their children, et cetera. All of that is, you know, it, it's vicarious, you know, vicarious trauma that we're, that we're experiencing as a society. And, you know, whether you're personally affected or not, you, you are affected. <laughs> you know, all of us are. It compounds. And in many cases, we don't realize how it's compounding. And for anyone who is already dealing with a mental health issue, or let's just call it mental illness straight out, mm -hmm. this can be an even more difficult situation, or as some have suggested, because they're already dealing with it, that it may also be a situation that they're better equipped to handle. We've been talking to mental health professionals now for all of this time since uh, maybe April or so. I know we've done about 22 episodes or so. And mm -hmm. what we hear is both sides of that spectrum people coming to mental health for care for the first time because they're realizing in all this how much they need it and others who are doing well because they've already been plugged in so as you have been dealing in your past with anxiety and depression and, and ptsd how have this how has this area been for you you know and i don't want to tread too much on, on your personal life but because you're pretty open about sharing that um, as you're looking at your own mental health in the, the world of COVID, how has this been for you? Yeah, and, and that's even another one of those areas where, you know, I had a running start because I had gone to a mental health professional ahead of any of, these, of this happening. Um, but it started, you know, going in in the middle of, of my bachelor's degree many years ago, um, where it just felt like I couldn't breathe. And, you know, it, it really brings it around full circle. It, and I could, I could understand that it was anxiety, that I was anxious, that I was worried. And I think that then when it's situational, and that's what people, you know, sort of, you know, get stuck in that trap is that when it's situational that you think, you know, well, I have these tests or I have these things, then it's normal to feel, you know, anxiety or pressure or those kind of things. And, and that's what college life, quote unquote, is. But it's, 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 it's when you are not able to handle it or the tests are over and you continue to feel that pressure, you continue to feel that stress, that anxiety, that inability to feel like you can take a deep breath, you know, figuratively and, 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 and physically. Um, it's, I, I went in to see a, a, a doctor who referred me to a psychiatrist and, 
in the process of that, um, was able to diagnose me with depression and anxiety. But um, the really pressing issue, which a lot is a lot for us, is that anxiety thing, because that that feels like a, for me, if I felt it in my stomach. Different people feel it in different parts of their body, obviously. But for me, it was in my stomach. It just felt like I couldn't I couldn't breathe out. Um, and one of the things that you know we talked about with the psychiatrist was how. Um, that inability to breathe was my, my, my greatest symptom. And, you know, because he was an, a medical doctor, he started looking at my medical history and said, oh, you have a history of sinus infections. Said, yes, I do. I think, oh, and do you have a, and he looked at my history and said, oh, you had a broken nose. And, and do, you, do you know if you have a deviated septum? I said, oh, I don't, I don't know that. He says, oh, what about allergies? Have you ever gotten checked for allergies? I said, oh, no, not really. I mean, I'm always sort of sniffling. I mean, that's just the way I've always been. And you know, we talked a little bit about that, that, that how many adults are going on with allergies or deviated symptoms. And that's just how I breathe. That's just, you know, normal for me. Um, but uh, we realized that one was aiding the other and it was a chicken or an egg thing. We weren't sure if my anxiety would be triggered by my inability to breathe because of allergens or my deviated septum. Or if if my anxiety got worse because of my inability to breathe, um, and so that the anxiety would feed off me not breathing, or that me not breathing fed my anxiety, you know, back and forth. So it was really important for me to take care of my nose and my allergies, and that seemed to have a really deep effect on on my anxiety, you know, along with uh, um, mental health treatment, and I did go through therapy and, and all of those um, types of things. But it's amazing how our bodies just, you know, perceive danger and, and have these automatic responses to, um, to those stimulus. You're really making the point that not only can one thing feed the other, but they're parts of the same whole. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to very often bifurcate ourselves well you know the health means physical health and now we're really seeing how much health encompasses mental health and so i think with you uh you could be the poster child for that in what you've <laughs> just said because you have these understandings um, in your own life and with other people and your family how has this been for you in now being the executive director of ala in Hawaii, in, in approaching other people about the simple act of breathing and what uh, lung disease is all about, particularly as now we're coping with lung disease within the framework of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and you, our, our tagline is, when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. That's and right. Particularly <laughs> this year, that has taken on a, a huge significance, right? So not only are we dealing with COVID, we're dealing with you know, social unrest, I can't breathe has become the, 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 the calling symbol of people asking for reform, police reform and other types of social justice reform. Um, so it's, it's, you know, in, in saying that I'm in, I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time. I, I couldn't, it, it couldn't be more true. Um, it's, it's, it, it, I started out the year talking to people about the flu vaccine. Um, a lot of people don't realize that the flu is also a lung disease. So that's one of our large campaigns for the year. Oh, you have a little visitor. <laughs> um, Did Binky just move behind me? Yes, I see him going yes. up the stairs. Um, and, um, and so I started the year talking about to my family, to everybody who would listen about um, the flu vaccine. 
um, in talking about uh, we could see COVID coming in the horizon even early as early as January. Um, in um, you know, talk I was talking about how you don't want those things to compound. You don't want this possible new disease uh, coming in at the same time that that you had the flu. The twindemic, um, as people are exactly, referring to it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And. And I just, at the time, you know, it felt like, you know, good prevention, um, you know, we don't want to be stuck in this, um, but it has now changed from, you know, this sort of fun little campaign to make sure everybody has their flu shots to a life-saving message that we are, we're talking to people in, in, and so that onto itself, the calls that I'm getting are people who are now dealing with um, family members who are in the hospital. And in the call that I get most often, is um, you know I can't reach my loved one, and everybody's so busy at the hospitals, and I can't be there physically to talk to a doctor or to see how my loved one is. Is there anybody at your office that can help guide me through that conversation? That can help do that. Uh, and that's what most people are looking for. Is I just don't understand what's going on, and I just need somebody to help me understand my particular situation. And I think that you find some of those similar. Um, uh, themes in mental health where people are saying I don't quite understand these emotions that I'm having I, I, I'm tired but I didn't really do anything um, I'm scared but I don't know why I'm scared I'm, I'm, I'm not scared about one particular thing I'm not scared about getting COVID but I think I am and and so you know the same way that we talk to people about their lung health it's so important for people to seek that advice from a uh, from a healthcare professional, um, a mental healthcare professional, to be able to understand those complex emotions. Um, and um, I, I, otherwise, I don't understand how we get through this without getting that specialized help that would be able to clear for us, you know, what, this is what's going on with your lungs, this is what's going on with, your, with the feelings that you're experiencing, and validating that what we're feeling are normal emotions. When you say that you know, people are talking to mental health professionals to deal with some of these ambiguities about what they're feeling and how they're feeling um, you know it doesn't necessarily have to be just a mental health professional the mere fact that people are asking you and I don't mean to say that you're not a mental health yeah. professional but I mean not going to someone who is a clinical therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist uh, but to be able to just connect and and talk about those feelings and the fact that you are there in that capacity for people which is maybe a little bit outside of what you know ALA, ALA has strictly been doing over these many, many decades. But that speaks to where we are as a society and what we need to do in understanding that, again, this is all part of a whole. It's not all segregated in nice little boxes in the way that perhaps we thought it might have been or the way we tried to organize it so that we could approach it more fully. Really, it's making the point of, of how complex we really are as human beings and how much we need each other. Um, and and that, some, that in some ways runs contrary to what many of us have been told, that you, know, you need to be a self-starter, you need to be a self-motivator, you need to take care mm -hmm. of yourself, be very individualized, all of that. I think we're getting a big lesson in interdependence, particularly when it comes to health-related issues and how we are fully integrated human beings with both mental health and physical health. Yes, and, and, and it's important to note that because none of us live in, with just our lungs or just our brain or just our heart. And a lot of times, you know, when we're in public health, we, we 
behave in that way because that, that's our job. That's what we mean to do. But none of us, none of the people that are our clients, nobody that you're seeing at Shutter Health, nobody that we're seeing at American Lung Association is solely only living within the scape of what we're able, the, the services that we're able to provide, right? So it, it is important for our different disciplines to talk to each other because their, our bodies are talking, you know, to other parts of their bodies. So um, I think All it's the really time. important. Exactly. <laughs> And I mean, for for um, for lung health, you know, when we look at, at people who have COPD or other types of breathing issues, it's very common for them to be diagnosed with anxiety, um, to experience those anxiety symptoms, because the way that your body interprets not being able to breathe, um, it's panic, um, and 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 so it interpret it. it you, you have deep set anxiety, and so if you're already a person that's dealing with COPD, and have um, lots of stress and and not a really good way to cope with that stress or or uh then then you're more likely to have your copd uh be worse uh because you're not able to be to have that oxygen coming in already your body physically is limiting it and we know that that the body reacts in that way to stress and anxiety as well so it's compounded on, on their health outcomes. And so similarly to the way that we live in many different scapes at one point, you know, I think that we're learning that as, as health professionals, that we have to live in different scapes as well. And you know, even, even beyond our health, that, that, you know, the, the different aspects as to you know, be dealing with, with quarantine is that sometimes people don't have an extra room to quarantine. And so how do you deal with that situation? If, if what we're trying to do is improve lung health, but they can't do it because of their social conditions, then what is our responsibility as a state, as a organization, um, to be able to deal with that as well if we're, what we're trying to do is improve their health? So 100% right, I think that we're learning as professionals that um, we have to reach out more, we have to have better understanding of how the different um, you know, bodily organs as well as social landscape affects our health. And I think we're doing better each year. And I think that's 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 where that's the one positive thing that 2020 has brought is that all of us are a lot more aware of how different factors um, affect us, um, and that there's no linear way to be able to get to you know to health to be able to be well. And I mean that that's part of the point exactly that it's not just integrating mental and physical health, but it's also looking at the whole issue of health equity. And for mm -hmm. the first time, I think we're really seriously looking at that in just the very reasons you talked about, because people have to self-isolate. And if they can't, because they're living with, you know, 10 other people, uh, it's going to be awfully difficult. Plus, we're going to have spread. So public health has now played a very different role than perhaps it has in past, at least that people remember actively. Mm -hmm. I mean, public health has always been there. Uh, and certainly has been active in, in many other issues that, that we've seen happen, health issues. But this one has truly made us pivot in a way that we haven't been able to do before. And for a lot of people, the big hope is that these lessons that we are learning now will help us to transcend some of the issues that we've had in past with health equity, with the ability to deliver care and have people really have access to it. For what you are seeing with life and breath, and if you know you can't breathe, nothing matters, nothing else matters, how do you see that going forward in a way that makes sense both through public health and also in our, our way in which we've organized our, our society? What would you like to see 
greater emphasis or where would you like to see greater emphasis? Well, you know, there's something very simple, which we do the same thing that, that we do with mental health. And I mean, and it's important for, I think, to, to point out is that previously to joining American Lung Association, I was with Mental Health America of Hawaii, and we would have very similar conversations about that mental health isn't just for people who are experiencing um, health issues. Mental wellness is for all of us, and we need to be able to take care, uh, self, engage in self-care, regardless as to whether we think that we need to see a health professional or not. That's just the same way that we wash our hands or, you know, brush our hair or whatever it is. Keeping, keeping our mental wellness is important in an everyday task that we should be, that we should be employed in. Um, similar, it's a similar thing with, with lung health. So what happens is that our lungs have this elasticity and, and there's these little tiny muscles all over our bodies that help us breathe in and breathe out. When we breathe in, we take in oxygen, but we also take in, you know, the environmental um, gases that are in the air. Um, and as we breathe out, we breathe out those those um, those gases, all of those negative things. Um, but as we age, if we have something like asthma, COPD, it becomes harder to get that that uh, air out, that stale air to get it out. So it keeps getting trapped, and it also helps to contract your lungs. They're not as elastic. The one way to think about it is that little rubber thing, that little springy thing in um, the screen doors. You know, so you know that after a while, it stops sort of springing back to the way that it was. That's the same thing with our lungs and with our diaphragm, which is a muscle. It sort of it stops working as 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 much as it it did than when you're taking a nice big healthy breath and what that does it engages our other muscles like you know around our neck around our shoulders our chest but in reality our breathing is coming from our stomach uh, if you watch a little baby breathing um, this is the uh, what i always picture is if you watch a baby sleeping on its back and breathing all you see is their belly move up and down up and down and you see this with animals as well when they're sleeping on their backs and you just see their belly uh, moving up and down uh, when we tell somebody take a deep breath, we usually do this. These muscles should not be moving when you're breathing. This 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 is nothing to do with your lungs are down here and your diaphragm is is further down. Um, those are the muscles that are that are that should be contracted. So similarly, there's there's some exercises that we can do every day to make sure that our lung health is the best quality as possible. And this is something that all of us should be doing as we age, as we as we you know start. Uh, coming into contact with with allergens as we you know come in contact with flu the best quality of of lungs that we can have is going to give us the best running start towards all of those things you're talking about diaphragmatic breathing which you know if you're taught that because you sing or you speak and and that's the same thing is like your shoulders don't move this is not a deep breath i mean everything that you've seen in the cartoons is wrong <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you be bringing from from you know from from your stomach and your diaphragm, especially as people are dealing with anxiety and depression, and even when they're confronted by something, you know, we we say to people, you know, just breathe, just take a deep breath, all that. They just the, the advice that we give to people when they're dealing with a very difficult situation or they don't know what to do. The first thing mm -hmm. is you know, breathe, breathe. We don't know how to do that as a society. We really don't. The mere mm -hmm. fact that we're having this conversation and it's just not simply, oh, well, of course we know that. Uh, but really, people don't know how to do that. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm wondering how you are dealing with that basic need to breathe and breathe well 
when people are dealing with things like all the lung issues, you know, COPD, people who have lung cancer, people who are dealing with all kinds of compromised situations, which don't allow them to have a full breath because maybe something else is going on in their bodies and they just can't, they don't have the space to be able to do that. How mm -hmm. do you put that into the context of, you know, we're also dealing with COVID. And so this is why you need to learn how to breathe in the most effective way possible. Are people hearing that message? You know, I don't, I'm, I, I think people are a little bit more aware than they were, but I don't think that the message is getting through similar with mental health that we we're talking about self care and mental wellness. And there's certainly a pickup and there's certainly a lot more conversations that weren't happening five, 10, 20 years ago. Um, but similarly uh, with breathing is that is that a lot of people don't understand you just think well you just breathe that's that's uh, that's all there is to it there's there's no there's no I wouldn't say there's a wrong way to breathe but there are better ways to breathe uh, I mean we all certainly breathe and as long as you're getting oxygen to your lungs that's a positive thing and 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 you know when we're when we're learning about ventilators and 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 how they're working in hospitals it's explaining that it's essentially a machine that breathes for you because your body is not able to breathe on its own. It doesn't have that capacity. So even though we think, you know, breathing is the most, you know, basic of things, we're born knowing how to breathe, um, your body does have the inability to make it harder for you to do that. So that includes COPD, that includes asthma, and that includes anxiety um, that makes, that our body makes it more difficult for us to do. And in that same context, the simple exercises of just being able to breathe from your stomach and so you put your your hands up to your stomach i'll move a little bit back um so that you're able to see so you, you just put your hands up to your stomach so that you're able to see your hands moving uh up up and down and if i turn to the side you're able to see how it expands but the trick is as well breathing in through your nose to be able to calm yourself down whether you're having an anxiety attack or whether you're having a copd uh, a particularly difficult time breathing with COPD is to breathe in through your nose, a nice careful breathing, and then breathe out through your mouth and trying to breathe out twice as long as when you were breathing in. So that gets all of that still air out. It contracts your, your lungs. And then as you take in the air again, it expands them. And so you're giving them a little bit of a workout. And just like anything else, the more that you can give a, a little bit of a workout in that practice, the better your lung health will be. And it's a very simple message. It's a very simple thing that we can do. The, the, the difficult part is remembering it in those moments, because that's what happens with, when we're having in a difficult situation, whether it's a financial situation, whether it's you know, an anxiety attack, whether it's a, a physical manifestation. And sometimes we forget our own advice and our own best, um, best interests in a difficult situation. So what I always tell people is the best thing that you can do is practice. Make it part of your daily routine. Make it part of making sure that when you wake up in the morning, just take those deep breaths. When you go up at night, you take those deep breaths. Um, don't wait until a moment is difficult to do that. You should definitely do it during a difficult moment, but you don't have to wait till that happens because your lungs will be healthier in that situation. So whether it's dealing with COVID or dealing with anxiety, you're in a better place to be able to deal with it. Um, it's, it's a simple message, but again, we, we're human beings. Uh, we, don't, we don't always take our own best advice. We don't always take, you know, very simple things, you know, walking a little bit extra or, you know, eating that healthy food. It's difficult for us or sometimes to make those choices to spend that time. Unfortunately, you can be doing this watch TV or doing, you know, any, any other things. Um, 
So just that very simple message of taking care of your lungs uh, so that your lungs will take care of you. That could be a little more difficult when someone is wearing a mask. So then what do you advise people to do when they are out and about, as we've been told that mm -hmm. uh, we must, we have to wear a mask. If you're out shopping, if you are, you know, any place in a public uh, scenario, you've got to have a mask on your face. Um, mm -hmm. Depending upon what that mask is made out of, it might be more permeable or less permeable and trapping a lot more CO2. A lot of people say, I just can't breathe with this thing on. And mm -hmm. you see people, you know, kind of pulling it down so they have their nose above it here. And when other people come around them, they pop it back up again. But you get what they're doing. They're not trying yeah. to be non-compliant. They're simply trying to be able to breathe effectively. So how does that, I mean, how do you make that, um, you know, it fit into what we've been told we must do as good members of society to prevent any of, of transmission of COVID or anything else, flu, cold. Yeah. But when people have to wear a mask and it's difficult for them to breathe and they're out and about, or they're in a work situation where they must wear a mask all the time because they're sharing an office, they can't stay distanced, uh, it's part of the protocol of where they work, how does that fit in? What are you telling people now? Yeah, and, and we've gotten several calls from people who will say, you know, I have a COPD condition or I have asthma. Um, should I be wearing a mask? Uh, first and foremost is you should talk to your healthcare provider. If you have a health condition um, and you believe that wearing a mask is too difficult for you to breathe, you should definitely talk to a healthcare provider. Um, in general, um, what we're seeing is that people who have lung conditions are still able to wear a mask perfectly fine as long as they sort of you know take those those precautions of being able to take a look at their breathing patterns making sure that they take time to breathe properly uh, so that they're able to take those breaths it is uncomfortable in any time that any you know we're, we're programmed that way that any time that something blocks our face uh we feel uncomfortable we you know we protect we're really our anxious yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and, and I mean, we're, we're wired that way as humans, that we protect our face, we protect our head, you know, and so anything that feels like it's obstructing, um, it's, it's difficult. Many people feel the same way about glasses that have to wear them, saying, I just, they're uncomfortable. I can't, I can't, I can't concentrate with them. Um, that used to be for me, I couldn't wear, I couldn't stand wearing glasses, um, and so I would wear contacts because it was, glasses were just too uncomfortable. Obviously, um, it's, it's, you know, people are able to get on fine with glasses. Uh, it was a, it was a personal thing for me. Um, but what I also recommend to people is that when you go into a doctor, if you believe that you're, that you're getting less oxygen, because some people actually believe they're getting less oxygen, is they're able to measure that, or you're able to buy a little 20, um, a $20 uh, piece at Long's or on Amazon, um, and that you put on your finger and it measures the, your oxygen level. Um, an oximeter, uh, so that it, it, you're able to see whether you actually are getting any less or more oxygen. And sometimes just knowing that you're getting the same amount of oxygen, that tends to calm you down. That tends to make you feel like, oh, you know, I kept thinking that I wasn't getting as much, as much oxygen. Um, but if you do have a, a lung disease, you should definitely consult with your physician to see if, you know, what makes sense for you. Um, in general, uh, we should be wearing masks. That's one of the proven ways that we have that we've known that we can spread, we can stop the spread. Um, we're seeing 
study after study that is proving um, that when both people wear masks, if they're conversing, um, and particularly if they're keeping their distance uh, while they're doing it, is you can really control it. That that you know, people will still you know have uh, the ability to transmit in one way or another, but you really control it into a much much more manageable level. And this is particularly important for those people who have um, those chronic disease or are elderly or have some sort of um, compromised immunity. Um, and then the last piece of advice that I would have is if, if you have a lung disease and you feel that you can't wear a mask because it's either uncomfortable or you feel like you can't breathe, you really have to question your activities of being out um, because you're also not only exposing yourself, but you're exposing other people potentially um, by not wearing the mask. So that's when we, when we have to think about of helping each other in communities. So if you're somebody that says, I can't really wear a mask, um, but I need to go do some shopping. You know, fortunately, there's a lot of stores that are looking at, you know, you know, we'll, we'll bring it out to you. You can order ahead of time so that you limit the amount of time that you're being exposed to other people um, so, that, um, so that you're not exposing, um, you know, yourself and others to the possibility of, 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 you know, COVID. And as we go into flu season, you know, that's certainly going to help us as well, you know, doing the hand washing, being able to wear the masks. That's also going to be able to help us in bring, bringing those numbers down. And getting a flu shot. Exactly. If that's something and that's consistent with your belief system. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely getting the flu shot is the, is the one way that we know that we'll be able to um, that we'll be able to work. And we're working right now on developing our communications as well as to how do we communicate once the COVID vaccine is out, um, how do we get so that people are able to have access to it, understand what it is, what what are what are the associated benefits and risks, and um, who are the people that should be first in line to be able to, That's right. to get that vaccine. Well, you preempted my last question because I was going to ask you about what is going to happen from you know ALA's direction in getting some of these messages out to people, and you already went there. So thank you so much for that, and thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, and especially about something that is so incredibly vital to our very being. We, we, can't, we can't live without breathing, but to do breathing well and to do it in the era of COVID takes a little bit of practice and takes a little bit of forethought, and you've given us many things to think about. Thank you so much, Pedro. Thank you, Bethana. It's, it's been wonderful, and it's always really great to see you. You too. Pedro Haro is the executive director of American Lung Association in Hawaii. And thanks so much for being so forthcoming with so many good ideas that are so simple to be able to put into daily practice and hopefully decrease some of the anxiety that uh, we may be feeling. Thanks to you for joining us today too for another episode of From Anxiety to Clarity. And if you have an idea for an episode that you'd like to see, please let us know, or if you have a question, let me know that too. You can reach me by email at COZLOVB, that's K-O-Z as in zebra, L-O-V as in Victor, B as in boy, at SutterHealth.org. And we'll get you an answer, or we'll consider what uh, your, your query is about uh, uh, an episode we might do. You never know, you just might see it. We hope so. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on From Anxiety to Clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kosovich. Thanks. Aloha.